0: Thank you. back for another edition of the podcast from p-town as you'll notice at the beginning here we're uh making it through a little bit more of the song and we're getting up to the era uh, right now it's about 1951 and if you're just joining us go back and listen to the previous episodes and you'll be all caught up with the rest of us this episode we're going to actually cover two things probably uh i'm going to cover the rosenbergs as well as the H-Bomb. There wasn't a whole lot of information on both of them. Or a whole lot of information that I could understand mainly on the H-Bomb. But we're going to go through these. So the Rosenbergs to start off with. There was Julius Rosenberg and Ethel Greenglass. And Julius was born in 1918 in New York City. And Ethel was born in 1915 in Manhattan. And Julius there, I didn't find out a whole lot on their early lives, but Julius, he became the leader of the Young Communist League USA when he was in college at City College of New York, and he graduated from there in 1939 with a degree in electrical engineering. Ethel, on the other hand, she wanted to be an actress or a singer, but things didn't really pan out for her that way, and she ended up taking a secretarial job at a shipping company and the two she was also working in labor disputes disputes and whatnot and they met at the young communist league in 1936 and they ended up getting married in 1939 and then they also they ended up having two sons uh throughout the course of their marriage and i think the sons are actually still working on trying to prove uh their innocence but it doesn't sound like that's ever going to come but julius he joined the army signal corps in army signal corps engineering labs at fort monmouth new jersey in 1940 and this this is a branch of the army that manages the communications and information systems for the command and control of the combined armed forces so you get into quite a bit of uh confident, confidential information there so he worked as an engineer inspector until 1945 and then he was fired when they found out that he had a history with the communist party and you'd think they'd have done a little bit more background checking on somebody before they let him into that type of position, but oh well. So there was serious research going on at the base he was stationed at in World War II, and obviously his communist ties raised some eyebrows, so they ended up letting him go from there. So he was originally, he was originally recruited by the Soviet Union spymaster, a guy by the name of Simeon Simeonov. And they recruited him on Labor Day of 1942. And although the Soviets, they were allies of the United States at the time, but they were still spying uh, on us and we were still spying on them. I think one of those things of kind of keep your friends close and your enemies closer, whatever that goes. But once Semyonov was called back to Moscow in in 1944, Alexander Fekhosov, he became Julius's handler at that time. And he pretty much was with him through most of the rest of it. But during his spy time, Rosenberg, he'd sent thousands of classified documents to the Soviets. And he was even able to send them a complete proximity fuse, which was a pretty new piece of technology that the United States was developing. And he was able to send that over to the Soviets. As along with spying for the Soviets, he was also recruiting more spies for the Soviets to work with them and the guys that he recruited were helping to send classified documents and once Feklisov found out that julius's brother or his brother-in-law david greenglass when he found out who he was and that he was working on the manhattan project he had julius try and recruit him which he kind of did so Rosenberg was able to recruit a second source from the Manhattan Project in 1944, and this source, he had access to information about processes for manufacturing weapons-grade alu- or uranium. Both of these guys were tied in with the uh, Manhattan Project, which was making of the atomic bomb, and they were able to send over some pretty uh, classified information that the, the Soviets were eager to get their hands on like i said in the harry truman episode the soviets remember how they tested the atom bomb in 1949 this was basically how they got the info so quickly i don't think that they were making a whole lot of strides in the atom bomb arena and then when they started getting this information from the rosenbergs it really was able to push them forward into being able to create and test their own atom bomb so the beginning of the end for the rosenbergs it came pretty quickly in 1950 the u.s they found that a german physicist in the united states who was working for the british had been giving information to the soviets throughout the war and he sold out his courier who in turn confessed that david greenglass was also a source this guy wasn't even tied in really with the rosenbergs he was tied in with somebody else who was tied into david greenglass and so that's how they started working their way towards them and this happened in may and by the middle of june green glass was arrested and at right when he was arrested he started singing like a canary he admitted that rosenberg and his wife convinced his wife to recruit him and so with this information then rosenberg was arrested in the middle of july and by the middle of august ethel rosenberg was also arrested so once they had some credible evidence that this was going on they moved really quickly to get these guys shut down and uh bringing them in so the government they began their grand jury case and they wanted the rosenbergs to have a pretty stiff sentence to kind of set a precedent and also i think they realized how much information that the rosenbergs were sending over to the uh to the russians and so they wanted to really throw the book at them. and they pretty much succeeded And when Ethel, when she was testifying in court, she pleaded the 5th to all of the questions, which, in my mind, that kind of makes you look guilty anyhow, because the 5th says that, you know, you can't incriminate yourself. And so if you're not wanting to say anything, it kind of, you know, puts a spotlight on what are you not saying. So on August 17th, both Julius and Ethel, they were indicted along with David Greenglass and a guy by the name of Anatoly Yakovlov. And Ruth Greenglass, she ended up getting her charges dropped because she gave a pretty damning testimony throwing the rest of them pretty... She was, uh, sorry, she was uh, David's wife and she kind of threw everybody else under the bus and gave a pretty damning testimony so she ended up getting off. But they appeared in court on March uh, or in March of 1951 and David Greenglass, he had admitted to giving Julius a sketch of the bomb is called the fat man bomb that they dropped on nagasaki or that was the name of the bomb they dropped there he ended up giving them a sketch of that actual bomb and then he also testified that his sister ethel typed notes up containing the u.s nuclear secrets so the rosenbergs on the other hand they both of them they remained defiant in court and both of them by this point were pleading the fifth and weren't wanting to say anything so, at that time, they were convicted of espionage on March 29th of 1951, and they were sentenced to death on April 5th. And interestingly enough, the prosecutor who was prosecuting their case was a guy by the name of Ray Cohen, and he claimed that his influence and his personal recommendation caused him to get the death penalty. And imagine this, Ray Cohen would actually go on to work for a senator by the name of Joe McCarthy, so if you remember him and all the communist stuff that he got going on, this Cohen guy ended up going to work for him. Now when somebody gets a death sentence, it never happens right away. And a lot of the Americans were claiming that the Rosenbergs were innocent. And many European countries were saying, were having protests. And even the Pope sent a plea of clemency for him. But that didn't go through so well and Albert Einstein, he tried to plead for him. It seems everyone he wanted these traitors to get or to not get the death penalty. And the artist Pablo Picasso, he wrote a letter pleading for them as well. But Eisenhower he held strong to what the ruling was and they were to be executed. So on June nineteenth of nineteen fifty three, Julius Rosenberg was executed in the electric chair at Sing Sing Penitentiary. It only took one shock for Julius but Ethel on the other hand she was quite a fighter. She was given 3 shocks and when they removed the straps they found her heart was still beating so they gave her an so they gave her two more for good measure I guess. And witnesses to her execution said that smoke rose from her head when they were done. At their funeral they ended up having 500 people attending and 10,000 people stood outside the cemetery to watch or to be a part of this funeral. And in 2001 David Greenglass, he retracted part of his testimony and he said, actually, I think it was my wife that typed everything up. because remember, he testified in court that Ethel was one who had typed up all the information. and he said uh, later on that actually he thought it was his wife that uh, was typing everything up for him. And he said he lied but was encouraged to do so by the prosecution. So the prosecution seems like they really had it out for the Rosenbergs and they encouraged him to lie on behalf of his wife. But he, uh, after he gave or retracted part of his testimony, he didn't even show any remorse for betraying his sister. He said it was more important to him to make sure that his wife was safe rather than his sister. And that kind of ends it up for the Rosenbergs, both in their lives and as well as for this episode. And so now let's roll into talking about the H-bomb, which is the next segment in the song or the next thing that's mentioned in the song. So after the Russians, after they had tested the atomic bomb in 1949, Truman decided it was time for the United States to, not work, to start working on a new weapon that could even wreak more havoc on people. And they had an idea of kind of what they were wanting, but the physicists, they were having a hard time coming up with a workable design. And the design that kind of has come out of this, it's called the teller ulam design. And it seems to be the go-to design for these types of bombs these days. The difference between the hydrogen bomb and the atom bomb... The atom bomb works on nuclear fission, which involves splitting atoms apart. And the H-bomb, it works on nuclear fusing, fusion, which is bringing two atoms together. So, one's splitting them apart, one's pulling them back together. And it becomes more powerful because with fission, like I said, you're splitting the atoms apart. There's only only so much fuel you can go through... But with fusion, when you're bringing the atoms together, the fission creates the first fusion, and the pressure from that can create another fusion and another fusion and another fusion. And the Russians, they had a de- design that they called a fission-fusion-fusion fusion device. So basically, it could go on for many, uh, many steps. It seems like how the H-bomb works is... Within the H-bomb, there's a smaller atom bomb to make it work. So an atom bomb, it goes off inside the H-bomb, which creates the heat and the pressure for the nuclear fusion to take place. So if you're lost by that, so was I. But the first scale test was in 1952. It was at the a tool in the United States, which I think is, again, I think it's done by the American Samoa or somewhere like that. And the blast yielded 10.4 megatons of energy, which is 450 times more powerful than the bomb that was dropped on Nagasaki. So that's pretty, that's big. The largest bomb ever tested by the United States was in 1954 and it's called Castle Bravo. And you can actually see pictures of the mushroom cloud and stuff that it created on the internet. And this bomb yielded 15 megatons of energy. So that's really big. But once they had tested some bombs, they were uh, working on making the bombs smaller. And uh, they could fit, they wanted to be able to fit the bombs into the intercontinental ballistic missiles, or ICBMs for short. And so that was their next thing. Once they had a working design, they were trying to make it smaller and smaller so they could uh, shoot them across the ocean. And by 1916, they had warheads that were 18 inches in diameter and weighed 720 pounds, which I also I kind of find interesting because 18 inches really isn't that big, and to pack 720 pounds of weight into something that size, that's pretty astonishing. And so, you know, you hear about, like, all those suitcase bombs and whatnot that they have nowadays. I mean, the thing was is to just make these bombs smaller and smaller so they could get them into more places at... Because if you've seen pictures of the actual first uh, hydrogen bomb or the atom bombs that they dropped on Hiroshima and Nagasaki, they were pretty big suckers. You aren't going to smuggle those into anywhere. So that's kind of uh, it, kind of for the H bomb. But one thing I wanted to touch on before we end this off is, even you know, as powerful as the weapons are becoming now in the whole world, you'd think that these things would be held under pretty tight lock and key but that's not really the case they if you get bored sometime got on the internet and do a search for broken arrows and i think there's even a podcast by uh stuff they don't want you to know i think is the podcast that has it and they actually did an episode about broken arrows and basically a broken arrow is when one of these nuclear bombs goes missing so for example in 1958 there was a b-47 being flown on a training mission And they had a Mark 15 nuclear bomb on board, and they were flying along, and an F-86 fighter plane collided with the B-47. And so to protect the aircrew from possible detonation, the bomb was jettisoned, and they ended up dropping it off. And it's now buried somewhere in the silt of Wausau Sound off the shores of Tybee Island, which is off the coast of Georgia. So that's just right off the coast of the United States where this thing is Sitting out there basically. And in 1957, a 42,000 pound hydrogen bomb accidentally fell through the bomb bay doors of a B 36 bomber as it flew over New Mexico. So, just accidentally. And the bomb's non nuclear conventional explosives detonated upon impact and ended up killing a grazing cow and left behind a crater 12 feet deep. Uh, but luckily with this one the nuclear payload on it didn't blow It was just the conventional part of the bomb that ended up blowing And during the Vietnam War A plane carrying a nuclear bomb slid off the aircraft carrier to Conderoga And disappeared into the Pacific And that's uh, kind of I mean you can just imagine being on the the deck of that aircraft carrier And watching the plane just whoop, whoop right off into the ocean So since 1950, there have been 32 documented nuclear weapons accidents. And I don't know about you, but when I think of an accident, I think it's like knocking over your milk at the dinner table, not accidentally losing a freaking hydrogen bomb or atom bomb or something that can destroy a whole city. So that's pretty much the end of it for this episode. It's a little bit of a shorter one. Uh, We're going to come back next week with uh, another one. I think uh, we're moving into Sugar Ray Leonard next week and hope hopefully you uh, enjoyed this one like i've been saying go out and look for us on facebook at podcast from p-town or on instagram at p-town podcast or you can always send us an email at p-town podcast 74 at gmail.com and like i've been saying don't forget to go out and give us a five star. Rating and review on Apple Podcasts It really does help get the podcast boosted up Into more areas I've been uh, watching the stats a little bit And I think uh, the podcast has been downloaded In I think 11 different countries And about 12 different states within the United States So hopefully we can fill up the entire United States And start working on some other countries too So Anyhow, that's it for this one, and we'll see you guys on the next one. Thanks a lot.